Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. I changed my talk yesterday, uh, and I want to talk about dreams that change a city, and dreamers and doers that, that change a city. And so if you, if you go to Oxford or Cambridge, or for some of our American friends, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, if you graduate from one of those universities, there's this anticipation that you're supposed to do something amazing. I know it's really hard to get into Oxford and Cambridge. The only small percentage of of students that apply actually get in. And it's then very tough to graduate and so forth. So if you have a degree from one of those universities, there's this anticipation on you that you're going to do something amazing, right? You're going to influence wherever you are. You're going to do something amazing with your life. Uh, If your last name is Mandela or Pankhurst, or Gates, or Kennedy. You get the idea. There's this, if you have a last name like that, there's this anticipation that something's awesome supposed to happen through your lineage. There's this anticipation if you're a Kennedy, even now, in America, even now. If you're a Kennedy, your grandkids of Kennedy, there's this anticipation that you're supposed to be an incredible person. I've been wondering, I wonder whether what kind of anticipation we have when we're a Christian. Uh, And there's just something in me that needs to shift in my mind. Uh, And I've just been thinking, what if the church had a reputation that instead of it being about great people coming to our church, what if great people came from the church? What would happen if the church became the most empowering training, equipping, the greatest institution, the best family in the world, where people came in broken. Let me give you a hint. This is the model in Isaiah 61. What if people who came in broken, they came in depressed, they came in captive, they came in with fatigue, exhaustion, they came in demonized, all the things that Isaiah 61 talks about. You know, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to the afflicted, that the brokenhearted would come. And you know, you know the whole verse, you know, from one to three. Here's the clue. When you get to verse four, it shifts and it says, they shall return. Do you know who they are? It's those people that were broken and those that were in trouble. They shall return and rebuild the ancient ruins. They will be the ones that will influence the city. They shall raise up former devastations and rebuild cities. It's just my mind. What if we were the kind of family that people came in literally broken and left city-changing, world-changing, changes of the world, changes of the city. What, what if Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, was our nature, but when we came into Jesus, before, when we came towards Jesus, what if Isaiah 61, verse 4, 
was the outcome. What if? What if? So the broken, the, the drug addict, the atheist, the depressed, uh, think of the most nas- I can't even say the word. Narcissistic individual. I couldn't say that this morning either. What if those kind of people were actually the people who became restorers of great cities? What if those that had, uh, had affairs or divorced or people that were so broken the church had given up, they would never be a leader? What if those were the kind of people? What if? And so on Friday, I just began to walk. I needed just to get away, get out of London and just walk and listen and pray uh, and all morning, I, I've, I, was listen- I had my headphones on, I was listening to the story of Joseph, uh, Genesis, end of Genesis. And, and you know the project is, is me? The project isn't the church. The project is you and me. God's, always, God's project is always you. It's always, always me. And God began to speak to me about and calling me to repent of certain mindsets that I had been creating over the last weeks, months. Uh, God had been coming this way. The beauty of working with powerful people is that they've also been telling me, as a kind of pincer movement, some of my prod in my insecurities, my attitudes, my behavior. And so, in a roundabout way, I, uh, and so I began just reading 2 Chronicles where it says, If my people who call my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear that from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so uh, Friday was just me repenting, basically. Me repenting. Over the last few weeks, uh, months really, I've been majoring on minor things. And uh, not majoring on bringing kingdom expansion. I've, not, I've also not been sleeping very well. Um, because on, a kind of a, on the opposite way, I've been thinking about... I don't just want to start more, we don't just want to start more projects or more sites or more ministries or more, we do this, this, and this, and this. Uh, as a church, we'll always be known as a, as a lifeboat, scooping up people who are drowning. We'll always, we, have a, we want to have a whole load of life rings, people with ropes, just pulling people from drowning positions grabbing people, scooping them on board, drying them off, feeding them, but then inviting them to go, can you help us save people? Can you help us also save people from drowning? We will always have that. Um, One of the things that have been keeping me up at night is, why are people drowning in the first place? I want to go upstream to find out how did they get there in the first place? How do we combat narcissism. It seems so rife. How do we go upstream and actually go to the root rather than scooping people up who have got that tendencies? How do we go upstream? How do we reduce crime in our city? So it's kind of a weird, I've got all of these insecurities and doubts and I've been majoring on minor stuff, but then I've been thinking, what about cancer? What about crime? What about loneliness, all the research for London, loneliness amongst the elderly, amongst the youth. How do we go upstream? And we've said this before. Everyone that you meet needs a pastor. 
There's no one that you won't meet that doesn't need someone who can talk to them, someone who can pray for them, someone who can bring some wisdom, someone who can point them to Jesus. Everyone that you meet needs a pastor. I've also been thinking about Kanye West, and I imagine across the globe, there'll be thousands of pastors preaching on Kanye West today. I, you know, so how God, God sort of offends our minds in order to reveal what's really going on. I've been thinking, what if Kanye West leads more people to Christ than Billy Graham? It's offensive. What, but what if? Young people are going to church because they're hearing, hearing the album. I don't, none of us know him. I don't know if anyone here knows him. But if, uh, and I was thinking about this, if he, if he thinks for one second that calling on the name of Jesus will somehow forgive a lifetime of misogyny, blasphemy, profanity, and sexual immorality, he's absolutely right. <laughs> he's absolutely right. Of course, by calling on the name of the Lord, we'll save him. What if we get to heaven and he's like the greatest revivalist? It's offensive. It's, it's, I'm right. I'm absolutely right. <laughs> but what if the most prominent, powerful, the most wise, innovative and inventive people in the entire planet were flowing out of the church? Um, and so uh, I was listening to Joseph, the story. I love this story. Uh, uh, Genesis, book of Genesis, got the best stories in all of Scripture. The be- they just, every, every chapter is a powerful story. An offensive story, because God seems to like kind of weird, broken, messed up people. And Joseph is one of them, and I quite like him. Uh, he's, I mean, he's got his issues, right? He wasn't perfect, and maybe that's part of the reason. Uh, I like the guy. I also like guys. There's always men in the Bible that are a bit broken. There's always men in the Bible that have got issues. Men like Moses, I really like him. Elijah, I really connect with his depression. Peter, I really like him because he just kept putting his foot in his mouth. (laughs) And Joseph, some of my favorite characters. Uh, and he, God gives him this dream. Do you remember in the early days, God gives him this dream, and he says that his brothers are going to serve him. He has this dream, and so what does he do? Already his brothers are a bit jealous of him, because his father's got this robe, and he's like his dad's favorite. And he goes, brothers, brothers, let me tell you this dream. Can I tell you this dream? And he's all smiling, and he's not very wise, you know, in his early days. And he tells you, and he laughs, and he's like, would you like to hear this other dream I've had about you serving me? <laughs> what, you wouldn't? Well, let me tell you anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not the sharpest tool. Uh, and again, he's not the wisest, wisest person. But where, what I love about jo- Joseph is that he gained the wisdom in the pit and in the prison. He gained all of his wisdom in the most broken, dark places. Uh, I'm I'm just scooping on really Uh, there's this thought that we have about Egypt Joseph and and Pharaoh Uh, we have this thought about Egypt we kind of think that Egypt is the enemy don't we 
We think it represents the old life, the bondage of, de- of the devil. We always use Egypt as something bad, something evil. You know, the, the Israelites went through the wilderness to escape uh, Egypt. I, uh, we have a load of prophetic words, and we had quite a few prophetic words that, you know, what God's doing is, is he's taking you out of Egypt, and he's bringing you into a promised land. And so we can kind of get caught up in this, Egypt is bad, Egypt is wrong. But the way Joseph serves Pharaoh teaches us something, and, it t- and it's taught me something. Uh, Pharaoh, ge- Pharaoh has this dream, and Joseph's in the prison, and he's got this reputation for interpreting dreams. And Joseph and Pharaoh create the- have this relationship. Pharaoh comes to him, and he says, I've got this dream, can you interpret? And, and Joseph says, we n- a famine's coming. You need to stock up. You need to get some storehouses. You need to stock up, because otherwise... Everyone's going to die. Your family's going to die. All of Egypt is going to die. See, Joseph, he saves Egypt. You think about Egypt as the world and Joseph as the kind of archetypal Christ. Joseph saves Egypt. Joseph saves the world. He saves them from famine. He saves Pharaoh from Egypt. Uh, when I think about Joseph, he, the scholars and the theologians, they talk about him being the, one of the, one of the archetypal, uh, archetype of Jesus. He was falsely accused. He was unjustly punished. He was buried in a dungeon. He was raised to power, and he served the world and saved the world. So Pharaoh, he had this dream. And so I started thinking, what if Pharaoh hadn't had the dream? They would have died in the famine. But if Pharaoh didn't have a dream, Joseph would have also died in, the, in prison. Um, I, what I'm trying to say is I, I, I'm not, I don't think they realized that they were both partners in each other's destiny. Egypt, the world, Joseph, Christ, were joined together, and they didn't even know it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We know that, we know that scripture, that whoever believes in him will not perish. Uh, and I st- one of the times I was thinking that God, he doesn't love worldliness, but he loves the world. And I just want to say this, God didn't die for the church. He died for the world. He didn't die, uh, uh, Viv and I, over the, over the summer, we've gone... This is, and we look at here, this is a big monster we are beginning to create. And <laughs> in my darkest times, I think, how do I get off? How do I get off this train? How do I just jump, get off this train? God didn't die. Jesus didn't die so we could create a big church. He died so, we could create, so he could create a big heaven and a small hell. One of my passions is that we create dents and gaps in hell. And we fill heaven and there's gaps in hell because of this community. That's, that's the dream. We don't care about numbers. Over October, all the vineyard pastors, they're terrified because we do our stats, our number stats. And they're all like, How, you know, we're not growing, we've kind of grown, we've kind of grown. Our dream is not that we just create hundreds and hundreds of people in, in a church, is that there's dents in hell. There's absolute dents in hell. 
Uh, I've heard people talk about, you know, in the end times, the darkness is going to get darker. The world's going to get darker and the light's going to get lighter. The church is going to get brighter. As I've been thinking, it sounds good. The, the problem is for the light to be, except the light is supposed to be in the world. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, we create a whole load of stuff which just supports ourselves. It's like we put a basket on us. We say, let's just create, let's have another worship night. And I love worship nights. Let's create another burn, and I love burn. Let's create another filling station. I love filling station. Let's create another circle around ourselves so that we can be brighter. I want to know, is London changing because, because of it? If it's changing, great. All the statistics tell me London's getting worse, even though we've got more worship nights. The light, the light is supposed to be in the world. It's not meant to be in a basket. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same, in the same way, you know when you read scriptures, and you don't, you've never read it before. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, it's a city that we set on a hill. Jesus saying that the only way it can get brighter in the church and darker in the world is that the church becomes a basket. Uh, and I, I just want to say, I think we've mispositioned the light. And people say, you know, the, you know, the dark's getting dark and the light's getting lighter. And I think we create this eschatology and theology based on our experience to make it okay. I want to propose that the darkness is the condition for the church to rise in, not the condition the world stays in when the church rises. Does that make sense? I heard this teaching, and it, it talks about the church rising up as, it get, as the world gets darker, the church goes to the darkest place in order to create light. I want to know, has, has, our, has, has London, has our city benefited from the church being light? I look at crime rates, I look at poverty, I look at loneliness, and, and others with me, Ben, ben and, his, and his team, they look at kind of all kinds of statistics about uh, deprivation. Loneliness in London is rife. Homelessness in London is increasing. Crime rates is incre are, are increasing. I think we, we sing some songs, don't we? This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. That's, about, that's the only song you're gonna get. Um, if Jesus is the light of the world, he's not a little torch. He's the son of righteousness. And we sang it earlier. He shall return with robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. The, the light pierces the darkness. And so Joseph here, I'm trying to land. Joseph and Pharaoh has a dream. And I want to say the only way we'll partner with our city is if we're in the city. What if worldliness was our enemy, but the world was not? 
What would happen if we went into KPMG, into schools, into hospitals, top law firms, startups, civil servants, NHS? What if we went into those companies and organizations and, and didn't go, let's go in and take it over? What if, like Joseph, we went, let's serve? What if it is that way round? What if our, our call is to serve the kings of our time? Let, and, but not just serve them, serve like they've never seen before. Let's serve like Jesus. Philippians 2 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born into likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. It's above cancer. It's above crime. It's above narcissism. It's above heart conditions. It's above. It's the name that's above every other name. It's the, and so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I just want to release the name of Jesus today. Would you stand up if you have a heart condition? Would you just stand up? If you have a heart condition, it's the name above all, all other, than, other names. Would you stand up if you're... Uh, we're seeing a lot of miracles by proxy where people are prayed for and they're not even in the place. Would you stand up if you've got a friend, a loved one, a family member who has got cancer, some kind of long-term illness, some kind of fatal illness, would you just stand up? And we want to pray and we want to release God of miracles. We've seen people healed by proxy. Let's see it again. So let's pray. Let's pray. If you're around them, you know what to do. So come, Lord Jesus, the name that is above every other name. The name that is above every other name. May your heart beat for Jesus. We pray for the hundreds of people that are represented in the room. The God of miracles come. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your name. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your name. Pour your light now into everyone here represented. Pour your light into bodies right now, into lymph nodes, into bodies. Pour your power. Show your power. I release a catalytic moment right now for individuals in the room. We pray for peace, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Come.
just carry on praying. I'm just going to finish, carry on praying, stand, sit, dance, sing. So what do we do? What do we do with this? Um, I want to propose just a few things of, of how we uh, not just dream, but we're do, we do as as well. I love what Hamish said. He had spent, what did he say, 70 weeks dreaming and two weeks doing. What would it look like to be dreamers and doers? Uh, this, is what, this is what not to do. Don't go looking through social media to get your perspective of the world. Read the news. Walk the streets. Talk. Pray for. Do you know what? Bless your MP. MPs at the moment, they are having the most abuse, the most brutal things said to them, uh, death threats, hate mail. Um, I want to commission you to, to discover who your MP is and find ways that we can bless them across Wandsworth, across Richmond, Lambeth, Southwark, um, Merton, wherever you live. I want to commission a whole, I want to commission dozens of us to find and discover your MP. What can we do to bless them? Let them know that we 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 are praying for them. We're blessing them. Would you do that? Just nod. That some I really I just like let's let's bless. Let's do what the opposite of what our culture is doing at the moment. Let's bless our MPs. Um, pray for our, our leaders. God offends us in order to reveal us. Pray for Boris. Pray for this election coming up now. Pray that what, what is happening in our community, that God is, a, is the answer. He is Lord of all. He is the name. And we pray that this will be a great Britain, a united kingdom. Pray that. Pray our name. We would be a united kingdom. We wouldn't be a kingdom divided. We would be a united kingdom. Okay, look at societal trends in terms of the poor, children, education, health, family. Look at the arts, media. And then what to do is go before the Lord and say, what do you need me to do in this city? I know my job description is Isaiah 61. But what does heaven want to release for my workplace? Wherever I go, my gym, the school gate. Get involved in the city. Uh, and just lastly, I'd like to propose that earth doesn't have a problem that he doesn't have a solution for. I'd like to propose no matter what you think that's a problem, he has a solution. Uh, I've been praying for solutions. And you kind of think, well, you're a pastor, of course you should be praying. But who knew? I've been just, okay... God, what, what shall I do in this situation? And he, he's given us some things to do. Oh, it's as easy as that. Oh, okay. He has the ultimate solution how to eradicate cancer from the entire planet, not just heal the sick. Uh, some of the things that I've been thinking about as I lay awake, is divine health part of his solution? How do we swim upstream against depression? addictions, the identity crisis in our, in our city. He has the answers. Less, th less than 10 years ago, I, would have the I had the phone slammed down on me by social workers, civil servants, because I was claiming the church had some solutions for, for helping the poor in Wandsworth. Now we're being commended for some of the things we're doing. 10 years later, 
because our, our social system is broken and bankrupt, the church is now in a place to step in. And so we're having people come to our job club, and they're saying, what's that there? I, I see you doing all coaching, but what's that? We're like, well, that's our prayer booth. That's where we pray for people who are depressed or who can't get through. And they can't find it on their, 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 their clipboard. And I, I've said to them, anyone that you need who needs some pastoral prayer, send them to the job club. We had a GP just, oh, I know, I know the job club can help them with some pastoral. Send them to the job club. What we've seen in the last 10 years shift in our, in our society, uh, the church can step in. I want to make some predictions. Ten years' time, I can see a cloud with the NHS. One of the reasons this church is so into healing is because at some point, we're going to, to help the NHS. I want us to get good at healing the sick because some departments in the NHS are already broken um, and need professional healers. We have healing on the streets... I wonder what healing in the A&E room would look like. <laughs> Ten years' time. At the moment, we would absolutely have the phone. But let's get good. Let, we have the answers to the world's solutions. Okay, let's pray. Let's get the band up. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.